Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlos. I'm Kelly. I'm Karen. And today we are talking about... Um, a treatment. <laughs> Shocker. Well, <laughs> it's just how it's gonna go, because it's what we do. Um, or a session, whatever you call it. Some people call it a reading. Um, actually, so that's good. Maybe that's a good way to start it, is by saying all the different things that people call what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess given what they've watched on TV, or what they maybe have experienced... Um, or they've heard other people talk about, mm-hmm. um, but anyhow, um, I w- want to start with this one because, um, I, the, the souls that were involved in this, both human and spirit who had died, um, were, were both beautiful. And because I think this is going to reach a heck of a lot of people of all ages. So I'm going to start by saying that the client, the living person, um, was a female, and uh, I'll say in her 60s, but the age is really not, not relevant. all that relevant. And she came in for her session. It was just an open session, actually. But the first thing that came through was medium. And um, her husband, who had passed over, came through. He wanted to speak to her. And he began by saying to her that um, in their many decades of marriage, many things had changed. And that uh, they had both started off as able-bodied beings, humans, people, sorry. (laughs) This is a struggle already. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that um, after a few decades, health had diminished for him and changed for him to the point where he had been diagnosed with a disease and or illness, whatever you call it. And that he had experienced um, problems with mobility. Mm Mm-hmm with walking, uh, with taking care of himself, feeding himself, a whole bunch of things, actually. And um, I could say a disease, but I really don't remember what it was at this point. Um, and I know there are many diseases that can affect different things. So maybe if I just even don't don't put anything on it, anybody can kind of make it apply to what they've gone through. It could even be a car accident yep. for somebody else where mobility changed or anything. There's so many different things. But um, he said that in the last decade or so of living, it was at least a decade, I believe, that um, there had been no sexual intimacy. And that he had also, they had also experienced as a couple, not just a lack of sexual intimacy, but just affection. Mm-hmm. And that it began that way first with, um, because he was depressed and with the diagnosis and stuff. Okay, go yeah, ahead. I'm going to ask questions because sure. I, I wasn't here for this session. So I'm going to be the, um, blank slate, I guess, which anyone else who's listening is at this point. Um, when you say no affection, do you mean no physical affection as in kisses or holding hands? Mm-hmm. Do you also mean no verbal of uh, telling them that they're appreciated or loved? Yeah. Like, is it across the board? It went across the board. Okay. It took decades for it to occur though. And this is where th- I, th- I think it's amazing how he came through to describe the marriage. He said at the very beginning, it was great. Um, and I'll say maybe like some marriages, there's the honeymoon stage you might refer to it as, but that even in, even after they had their kids, they still made great attempts to be together Mm -hmm. and to be affectionate with each other. And that marriage itself and life itself had taken some of its toll on their relationship. Mm -hmm. 
but that when the diagnosis and the disease hit his body, and I won't just say the diagnosis, but when he started with symptoms, because diagnosis didn't actually come until years later. So for four or five years before diagnosis, he already was experiencing challenges with muscles and and pain in the body and having troubles working, more days off, sick leaves, like all kinds of things that were coming into his life. Mm -hmm. And because of the changes in the depression and just change, period, that um, he had started to withdraw. And I'll say withdraw, withhold, uh, affection, sex, which are two different things. Uh, He stopped holding her hand or touching her back or just verbal, as you said, saying kind things, saying you look um, beautiful or hot or whatever. Cassini said he was afraid that if he said, oh, you look really hot, that she might think that that was an invitation. Mm -hmm. And he lost desire. He, He lost sexual desire with the depression and with the withdrawal. But he also had developed some fears with it that even if he did feel it he would if he just waited a little bit it would pass and so if it passed he said he found that what happened in their marriage was they just became better friends Mm -hmm. so it was there were some good things that occurred in that that he said they they became closer friends they had become like best friends this is interesting and and maybe it's Mm -hmm. not no go ahead going with this but I think about what it means to be a friend and how much intimacy is involved in a, in a real friendship right? and how much communication is involved in a real friendship. So if you're talking about that being absent, I wonder how valid that, that statement is. I do too. And this is how this all came through is how he noticed mm-hmm. and showed her in his vocabulary and how he described the years and decades of the marriage, how even as he's crossed over, that his awareness has changed so he could say, oh, at this point, I thought this. I thought we were best friends, but meaning that I stopped saying that you looked hot. And then it was like, and then, but you, as you hear him going on, he, his spirit was able to question himself in that as well. Oh, cool. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's why I re- <laughs> Excuse, <laughs> Excuse you. me. That's why I really like this. He, show, he, he went along with the years and the decades of the marriage being true to who he was and what he was going through in each of those years and decades and was explaining to her what he believed or what he thought during those times. So as he lost the, his desire for sex and um, he would talk about what fears had come with it Mm -hmm. during the session. Yes. Yes. During his session, he would say, um, as I lost my mobility and my legs got more and more sore and I, I didn't want to move, there still were good days where I could have had sex, but I preferred friendship on those days. And I noticed I was withholding sex, but at the time I just thought, and he would describe what he thought, what he felt. And she got the affirmations that she had those knowings, that she felt that shift and change in him. She would sit and look at me and go, I knew that. I knew that. Mm -hmm. I think I heard the phrase, I knew that, dozens of times in her session. And I said to her, well, do you want me to stop? If you already know, no, no, oh my God, no. I want to hear every single thing because it was her moment of hearing it from a complete stranger, uh, me, you, I, who, who can do these things and 
say these things to give these affirmations to somebody about their own levels of awareness that they didn't get on earth. Her own inner knowing. Her own inner knowing. Mm -hmm. And the fact that because he didn't have his own inner knowing all through his life, she she doubted it constantly. Mm -hmm. So at the end, near the end of all of this, he apologizes that because of his own willingness to work, his own willingness to look at himself, to be honest with himself, um, and to be able to communicate that to her, she stayed in that marriage till he died, having all of these inner knowings of what she was going through, but never having them affirm, affirmed, or being able to actually have that conversation with him. So you meant his lack of willingness? Yes. Okay, that was missing. Sorry. Yeah. So his lack of willingness, his lack of, of work. Mm-hmm. Of, of making any effort to actually really understand or grow or grow or change or even even try. Mm-hmm. He didn't even venture. She, and, and I said, oh, he says that he he refused to buy books, but he said, you know, go ahead and read the book and and tell me tell me what it says. Um, and at some points it was like, oh, you read a bunch of books. You think you're a know-it-all. And um, I don't believe in any of those books. Mm. So he even went through different things to keep himself um, feeling in his ego. Mm -hmm. But because he did that, she never understood that she was so accurate about it all. Mm -hmm. So she goes through her whole marriage, like decades with him, um, three or I think at least four, uh, 40 years married. Um, always it just blows my mind but I know it I know it and I and I know so many people that have all these inner knowings about the job or about the marriage but because somebody else withholds their own growth they never get it they never get their affirmations they think they're crazy um and the vocabulary changes so he talks about how the conversations changed over four decades where it became just more withholding. If he thought she was onto something, he didn't want her to believe that. So he made her question herself. And so his spirit comes through to say, I purposely, I purposely said little things and threw you off, or, or, uh, you know, made you question yourself, because I was afraid that if you knew you were right, you'd leave. Mm -hmm. And, And so, you know, at some point in these decades of years, he thinks that this is still the idea of friendship. Right. He thinks this is the idea of being married. He thinks this is what all couples go through. Um, isn't this normal behavior? Um, what is, you know, this is, this is commitment. This is, this is, this is it. According to him. And it's at the, it's only after he's dead or that he's died, that his spirit is able to come forth and say to her, I need to tell you all of these different things. I need to come forward and share all of this so that, so that I can heal on the other side. And so that you can heal here and, and know and hear the apology. I just think it's so important for her to, to, to get that so that you're not left questioning because she's going on with life. She, she's, she's hoping to meet another person, another partner, another person to fall in love with. And what that can do for her if she's not going to, to wait till they're dead to do their work, if she's going to understand 
that if you stay with somebody that refuses all of that, what it does to yourself when you say, yes, I'll stay. Okay. And sorry, (laughs) I'm angry, Um, but I'm trying to still be a good host. So when you pitched this idea before we started actually recording, um, Mm -hmm. you had talked about how um, the gentleman who had passed Mm -hmm. um, was able to identify that each behavior he did affected her in certain ways throughout her life. So are Mm -hmm. you able to give examples of that? Yeah. And I, I, that's not to put you on the spot. I just, to me, like that's a very quick and short story, but it's loaded. No, it's Um, good. I think I I can do that. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people will identify with this, um, having stayed in a relationship too long and it doesn't have to be a 40 year marriage. It can be a two year relationship where you Mm -hmm. stayed eight months too long. Mm -hmm. Um, it's important to know how certain behaviors affect the way that we perceive and feel and experience life. Well, he knew, he knew that she wanted his approval. So he would do, he would withhold it or he would give her looks. He would say one thing, but give her a look to confuse her. So he did a lot of things to make her feel confused so that she wouldn't make decisions without asking him, Mm -hmm. without checking in. And even if she did, that she would go back and check in again and again and again until she didn't make any decisions on her own without making sure that even in her own job or even wherever she was, that regarding children, everything in life, the house, everything, that um, that she checked in with him. And he would term that as being partners. He would term that and he would put that out there like we're a good couple because we talk. But really not underneath that, she doesn't think for herself. She comes and checks in with me. Mm-hmm. I make the decisions and I let her believe she has. Okay. But he let her believe that. And it was how he would word things. I think my mind is like on an angry loop uh, right now. So I'm, I'm struggling. Uh, where the, the loop being where you said he believed that they were better friends than anything. And I just don't see where that's even possible. So mm-hmm. I keep going to going back and thinking, okay, how did he think that was even a good friend? And and I think I'm trying mm-hmm. to shift and think, okay, maybe he meant roommate. Um, because that's not, I don't, but, but I don't know. That's not how you treat human I like beings. It that, you know what? I like it that you're that freaking angry and that you're that confused because that tells me that you wouldn't tolerate that and that you know better. He's coming from the place. my mom right now? (laughs) Oh, maybe. (laughs) But that he's, he's talking about that when he was alive, he thought that that was friendship. Okay. So in whatever was reality, he really thought that that was friendship. Okay. But that he, as he's on the other side, that he's learning that it's not. So these are thoughts and behavioral patterns that he lives all day, every day, all his life believing this is healthy and normal. Okay. He's admitting that he, that this is what he thought during these periods of time. This is what he's learned since he's crossed over that he saw it that way. These are the things I did to you where she sits down and goes, that is how I live my life. Mm -hmm. And I did this to you because this is what I believed at that time. Okay. So then maybe that's what I'm needing out of this is to know where he, like the, the, the next part where he said, this is what I'm learning now. Yes. Because I haven't heard those messages come out yet. Yes. And that 
he's able to say at, as he goes through all of this. So there's there's a great process in that session in that one hour that occurs where he has to describe to her because I have to prove to her that this is her husband, mm-hmm. that this these are the because re- she's saying to me, I don't know what you mean. I don't know what you're talking about. We had we were beautiful friends. And I'm sitting there going, no, he's saying you weren't. He's saying that this is how he treated you. When you said something, he would say, oh, no, you should have said it this way. Right. Oh, oh, no, I would have done it this way. And she goes, oh, okay, thinking that because he says it, it's got to be better than what she thought. Mm-hmm. So he manipulates her into thinking that she needs to check in with him to find out what he thinks about and what he would say and how he would do things so that she can go off and live her life doing it that way. Mm -hmm. So that when she comes back to say it again, he's going to say, that's really good, honey. That's great. But she never gets that. He's just constantly changes it every time she comes back. Okay. So that she never really earns that, I'll say, uh, approval. Mm-hmm. So he sets her up in a cycle of come and get my approval. And he throws her, he throws her some every now and again, a little bit of yeah, that oh, that's great. Oh, that's perfect. So every once in a while, when he sees she's totally fed up, and she's ready to confront him, mm-hmm. then he either goes into having a full out fight with her, or he goes into uh, acquiescing and saying how good it is mm-hmm. and that he's really proud of her so he he flip-flops the training all over the place but he becomes aware of it when he's dead that this is what he did and right. called this a marriage and friendship okay so talk to me about now um what his messages are now that he's passed oh for her. What, yeah. what is it he's hoping for her out of her life going forward oh that this is the best part because this is i think when she finally truly feels that for the first time maybe since in the, you know the first year of the 40 years that he's actually done some work that he's sincerely apologizing for the first time instead of all the fake apologizing um that he's aware and really is trying to help her. So what he said at this point, um, this was about about 40 minutes into, into the hour, was after he proved that it was him, he showed the behaviors that he did by describing them. Excuse me. He gave her examples of it and what it did to control her thinking and change her thinking so that she was codependent. He apologized, but he... he said to her that he had to earn the apology and by meaning that he had to prove that it was him, that he learned, that he got it, that he understood what he had done in his own thinking and to her, and as a result to the rest of her life, how she behaved with her friends, how she took jobs that were always less than, she didn't take jobs that were full of meaning. Or and That's what I was looking for a while oh, ago. Oh, there you when go. When I was saying... Based on how he behaved, how did it affect the rest of her life? Oh, she never, never was able to work to her fullest potential. She always took jobs that were less than financially, but also with responsibility, also with challenge, with intelligence that she was capable of, all of it. Education, mm-hmm. where she didn't bother educating herself. There was just piles of things, I'll say in terms of that, but also in terms of, of work. But I'll also say um, uh, that he commented about how in her own friendships that she was always the fixer. She was always the listener. She was always, she didn't, she didn't get out of friendships um, what was, uh, how do you say that, equal. Mm -hmm. Um, 
she she overgave and so she only was in friendships where the, where she had people narcissistically taking and so that key relationship with him put her in a place of the same thing with her their children so perpetuating the same role with her brothers again. and sisters with her family yeah where she would seek their approval like his mm-hmm. and and if she was going to stand up for herself that that the consequences were going to be um, being cut off mm-hmm. um, or not valued and ignored. Okay. So if you don't want that, then you're going to do what I say. So he, he acknowledged all of this, but proving it all the way along that this is how it affected her job. This is how it affected her and her kids. Mm-hmm. And now that he's died, she's trying to create this relationship with her children. And she has really no idea how to. So there's such a disconnect between her and her children and her grandchildren. She has no idea how to create this. Create what? Relationships with them, other than how she related to her husband, people pleasing them, or staying out of their way. But not having more tools than that to be able to create new relationships or the existing ones and get them healthy. Mm-hmm. She had no idea. And so th- this is four decades for her of living this way, where he's saying that he's crushed these things in her and that he's coming forth to apologize. And then I th- remember saying to him, well, that's okay. I'm, I mean, I'm really glad that you, you're doing this. Where do you want me to go with this for her? We've got 20 more minutes. What are we going to do? And he says, I need to help her. I I, I need to be able to tell her that I'll be around her in a positive way. I'll give her a sign. So he says how he's going to give her a sign. And I believe his was that he turned water on and off in the house. He would, he like, he would make a top um, faucet, like drip. She'd have it fixed. It would drip. The plumber would come back and say, there's no problems, new washer, blah, 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 new system. And so on. He would do these little things. Um, What else did he do? Um, he was trying to help her with her thinking and, um, he he told her about her journaling. So he pointed out things that she was trying to do for herself, but he was trying to help her find the right books that would help her identify these things. And that, that he was also trying to help her find people in her life who were, had a higher level of, of emotional intelligence that would be able to be a safe place for her to work these, these steps through. And he mentioned a couple of names of different people in her life that were those good people for her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have any questions? Or anything to add? Uh, so when you, again, when you pitched this idea for the podcast, you had talked about the fact that this husband had asked you mm-hmm. as a channeler and as a human to be her person. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe the question is, what does that mean to mm-hmm. him? And what does that mean or require of you? I asked him that. And he said, um, can you, he point blank said to me, could you please be her person? And I said, yes, what do you mean? And he said, she needs someone to talk to her about her own sexual needs. Can you talk to her about um, figuring out how to meet her own needs? And I said, okay. So I asked her for permission. I said, 
uh, are you okay with me being somebody to be your person right now? And she goes, yes, what do you mean? And I said, he's referring to the fact that you don't know how to meet your own sexual needs. And she said, she cried. And she said, that's true, I haven't in decades. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, then can I be that person that talks to you about how to meet your needs, books, um, toys, videos, anything that that can educate you in a way that you're comfortable with, mm-hmm. I, wh- however you see your your life, that can maybe open a door to something else for you. And she said, yeah. So the conversation went further um, into, and actually quite a bit into detail, because she asked for the detail of names of books, names of places that she could organ- get things, um, how she could buy things. She didn't want to go into a store, so being telling her that you can get things online, um, uh, be it a book or uh, about body awareness, mm-hmm. um, a physiotherapist that was going to be able to help her that's a pelvic specialist um, to help with the muscles. There, were, so there was a list of things. If I'm hearing this properly, mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm doing this obviously for people who are missing the point, this isn't about pleasure, period. This is about mm-hmm. pleasure, but also education yes. and also feelings of safety of exploring your own body. Yes. And that if it's a, a potential partner comes into her life again, mm-hmm. she knows how to communicate her needs, ask what his needs mm-hmm. are. Um, it, it's multifaceted. Yes. Because all of those and, and right to the point, Kelly, where she was, re, he was saying that she needed to see a pelvic specialist for the muscles. Mm-hmm. And that she actually needed uh, help with somebody as a physio can do to strengthen the pelvic floor and so on. Mm-hmm. Right through to um, books on how to self-pleasure, on how the psychology of it, the anatomy, the physical part. Mm-hmm. Um, because it had been decades for her um, to even, other than bathing or to wash the body, to consider any of anything else. Mm-hmm. So the emotional components where some of the books and the, the websites and all that can provide her with a variety of ways of listening, seeing and reading. So that whatever her comfort level was in her own home, at her own leisure and privacy, that she had that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, is that good? Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I was honored. Um, on a personal note, that he asked me to be her person and that he asked me and that she accepted that and that through the session, I was able to keep checking in with her to make sure that she was comfortable with me saying, is this something that, you, is, that you're comfortable with hearing? And, and I remember her saying to me, I'm not comfortable. I feel awkward and I feel embarrassed and I feel humiliated, mm-hmm. but I want to. And I give consent because I know that I don't have anybody to talk to, mm-hmm. um, that her friends don't go into that direction. Or if they do, she didn't ever participate in the conversation. She doesn't know how to get in it again. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's neat that you can feel awkward, but safe. Yeah, yes, exactly. And I, I like the fact that she was very honest about it and said, I'm not comfortable, but I still want to. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, because I can understand that somebody can still feel awkwardness or fear or reluctance or a number of things, anxiety, and still step forward Mm -hmm. and still be able to say, but I need to do this. Mm -hmm. 
and that they still feel in control. Mm -hmm. And that as professionals, you and I are still able to say yes, but keep checking in. Is, is, is this part of the conversation still okay? I'm talking about pelvic health with a physio. Is that good? You need to talk to your doctor. You need to talk. You, there are these videos, blah, blah, blah. In all of those different aspects of, hu of being human. Mm -hmm. And that she still had control in it. And that he was there to say she needs this and she doesn't tell anybody. She doesn't talk to anybody. Nobody would even know. And I remember he said, she, we have a daughter, Karen, and she would never discuss this with our daughter. Mm -hmm. And I said, why? And he, Because I wanted to be able to bring this up to her. And he said, um, he said uh, our daughter sees her as a mother, not as an individual, not as a being, mm -hmm. not as a sexual being. This would be, her daughter would never allow this conversation. Mm -hmm. So I said to her, is that accurate? He is saying that your daughter would never let you discuss this with her. She's an adult. She's in her forties, mm -hmm. but there's, she would shut this down. Oh my God. Yes. She says, I can't talk to my daughter about anything like this. Not even if, if I've, you know, have a, a bump, I can't ask, say that there's a bump there and that I might need a doctor's appointment. So some people might think, oh my God, I've got daughters and we talk about it all the time. But that's... Um, that's some people don't talk about anything. Yes. Yeah. And, and sometimes with roles and families, you only talk about certain things, mm -hmm. depending on what your beliefs are. And what I loved about it was that he was able to say what their beliefs had been in their family and why some of those very beliefs prohibited her from having that conversation. Um, and that that relationship on a deeper level, which I also thought was pretty cool that I was able to say those things to her. She was able to say, yes, that was true. And then she was, we were, there were options to move past it. Mm -hmm. Cool. And that in some way, even though, you know, he's created so much of this, he wants to be part of a solution. And I, you know, at the end of that, that session, Kelly, one of the things I remember her getting from that is that as he's passed and on the other side, he, they took the time for each other to be able to say they didn't do it all well or right. And that he was basically saying, here are some tools, here, here, or here are some choices if you want. Mm -hmm. But for the first time, he understood that he wasn't supposed to have control over her and be able to tell her what to think or how to go about doing things and that she had to check in anymore. Mm -hmm. And that it might have been one of the first conversations they had that was actually healthy. Mm -hmm. And I was lucky to be part of it. I don't know that I have a lot else to say about That's that. Okay. Just thought it was really... Um, it was a big one. I'll, I'll say it was one of the key... One of the many tre treatments or sessions for me that I that stuck out in my mind where I wanted it was like I need to do a podcast about this from his perspective and how he went through so many steps since he'd crossed over because I think some people think when you die you're just you're in some place that's perfect and you don't ever worry about humans on earth again and um, you're not responsible for any part of their healing or their life anymore mm -hmm. and that that actually he proved to me was not true that it did continue in a, in a, in a better way mm -hmm. for both of them. Cool. And that being a medium and seeing one was a way to be able to bridge that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Thank you. You're welcome. Um, if you have any questions or any comments, um, you're welcome to email Kelly and I. Um, we are happy to do another podcast if you have anything to share about that or ask us um, about what we've said. If you found a little hole in there someplace and you're wanting to know more, that would be lovely. And you can reach us at info at bysarlo.com. And uh, I want to say thank you for joining us this morning and we look forward to seeing you next Saturday.